So this time up on the Arantia Radio Podcast, we're going to talk about a couple of very interesting things. The totality of God. And we'll hear from an old friend to the Arantia community, Bill Sadler. Plus, emails from listeners and an interesting article that makes an excellent point. This time up on the Arantia Radio Podcast. grown fond of that song. It used to be one of my favorite songs when I was really young. I don't know when Roundabout came out. Fragile. Remember the album by Yes? And it came out 74? 1974? Anyway, I haven't heard that song in a long time, and when I heard it recently, I just decided, you know what? It's kind of a nice way to start off another segment of this uh, podcast where we talk about the Urantia book, the Urantia Papers, um, and it's good to have you with, with me today. This is one of those days where my internet isn't working. My computer is running slow. And in, overall, it's like I'm a, I'm a horse, you know, waiting for the, for the gates to open. And, but the gate is stuck. So I thought I'd take a little bit of time and catch up on some things that have been going on uh, in, uh, not only in my head, with regard to the Urantia book, but other things that are going on with the Urantia community. And a couple of things I wanted to take note of is there's an upcoming event called the UBIS Spotlight Series. And I want to just make sure that people understand that I don't have any connection whatsoever with any of the various organizations, uh, the Fellowship or, or uh, you know, the Jesusonian Foundation, you know, the Foundation itself. I don't have any particular connection uh i am uh i am non-binary as they say no i'm just uh i i i don't mind reporting on what they're doing because i believe that as the greater urantia book community grows they're providing a wonderful service by connecting people who want to be connected um so right now the ubis is having a spotlight series which is coming up on march 18th saturday Brad Garner, I've invited him on the program, and I hope to hear back from, from him. But there will be a, a Zoom presentation, uh, and I'll be talking about the Ranch book uh, and his story. And uh, more than that, it's also just about exploring the geology. Uh, and so anyway, it's going to be Saturday, March 18th. Hopefully we'll get Brad to come on and talk about it. I'm always excited because, you know, now that they have... Zoom and all these ways of people to connect. It's great. It's great to watch. It's great to listen to other fellow Urantia book readers. It's also good to get information, and, and I get a lot of good email. I'm, I'm actually, I wasn't sure if I was going to talk about this or not, but I'm actually in a conversation with a, uh, a very nice gentleman about the difference between the Urantia book and the Bible. And I wrote an article about it, and it's posted on net if you want to check it out. And it was mainly an exercise for me, at least when I wrote the article, to differentiate between the two. Uh, the Bible serves a, an incredible purpose. You're, it, trust me, I've given this so much thought. Uh, the Scripture, the Old Testament, the New Testament—it's not going anywhere. It is the it is the rock of Gibraltar of the Christian faith. 
the enthusiasm that people have is second uh, for the Bible is second only to their belief in Christ. And I think as a Urantia book reader, I, I, I see them providing a service in two different directions because we already have a Christian culture. We have a, a Christian dynamic that has existed for well over two centuries. And its, it's head, it, the reason for its very existence is the very powerful uh, personage of Christ. I mean, it's got his name on it. The Arantia book, to me, is a continuation for those who are ready to hear and know about the bigger picture. The bigger picture, uh, as I explained to the person to whom I'm communicating, the bigger picture of of the grand universe, of our our role in this grand narration. And that's why I get excited about the Urantia book, because now I'm, for the first time, hearing about what awaits, what has happened in our past, what we can anticipate in the future as man continues to evolve spiritually and grows spiritually in his understanding of, of God, the Father, and God, the Deity, the Supreme Being. In fact, in a minute, I'm going to play something from Bill Sadler Jr. Uh, from 19, I want to say 60, could be 1959. Anyway, it's from his Oklahoma study groups. And he touched on a particular subject that I found very interesting about total deity. And in it, he describes the different relationships of the Trinity, of Jesus, and of human beings like ourselves. It's about a three-minute piece. I'll play it and then maybe even comment on it, but I'll get to that. But I want to get back to this Bible verses uh, because I've learned something in my dialogue, uh, which I had had forgotten, uh, which is how important the Bible is to people who believe it is the word of God. Uh, And I say this with the utmost uh, sensitivity. I, as a a fellow believer, will never contest someone's love for the Bible. I understand it is an emotional. It's like when you hold a Bible, you feel better. It's why we put our hands on a Bible. And when we swear before we give testimony in a court of law, it is not just something that's been around for 2,000 years. The Old Testament has been around a lot longer, and it contains, just like some other books, a rich history of what I, what I asserted, which is man's search for God. And one of the reasons in the early days when I started reading the Arantia book was it almost came across as too religious to me. And what I mean by that is the Arantia book writers seem to, um, they seem to emphasize the fact that it's our spirituality that has mattered all throughout time. It's a measurement of our growth. And, um, and I'd never had been taught that. I'd never really been taught that religion had much to do with, with anything in the development of society. Uh, it, to me, you know, the, of course, there was the Enlightenment, there was the uh, Middle Ages when the Catholic Church kind of ruled everything, then there was the Dark Ages where 
monks in the 10th century would write and they would write handwrite translations of of what was then the scripture uh but uh, outside of that i never really saw what effect the religious makeup of a of a culture had anything to do with until i started really an- analyzing the history of the urantia book and the history of of our planet itself it it started to dawn on me that it is in fact our religious outlook that has everything to do with where we are headed as a society. And it goes back to my statement about the quality of thinking. I wrote an article about this on another website that I have. Until the quality of thinking improves, it's almost like a catch-22. Our quality of thinking is upstepped by our religious insight, but we can't have religious insight until our quality of thinking improves. Now, does that make sense? You know, because it's like an athlete. An athlete has to first put in the effort, and then once his body starts to develop muscles and tone and flexibility, then that body starts to perform better. But it took that initial inertia to get things rolling. And in the same way with a human being, when you're, when you're reading the Arantia book, you're making an effort to try to understand something that previously did not exist and the goal, I think, with the revelators is to uplift our thinking on such matters as deity, relationships of deity, relationships of, of the energies themselves between spiritual energy, physical energy, mind energy. These, these all make up different energy circuits in reality, and they are interconnected. So the Arantia book versus the Bible maybe would have been the wrong way to phrase it because I never meant the article to be a contest, which one was better, which one was more valid. And I stated my original premise, which is that the Arantia book is for people perhaps who are not satisfied by the Bible or they're, they're done, they want to continue the journey. To me, the, uh, the Bible may very well introduce a person to God through the person of Jesus Christ, but uh, now that they've been introduced, let's develop this relationship a little further. And that's, to me, what the revelators wanted to do. They wanted to give something, not so much for the present day, but for the future, when people start asking more intelligent questions you know, about reality itself and where we fit. And so, you know, it's interesting because in the very early days of the history, when the Urantia book, even before the papers started to appear, and Dr. Sadler and Lena were having conversation with the sleeping subject, at one point during this therapy session that had been going on for months and months and months, finally, um, the voice, whatever voice was coming through the sleeping subject, said, you know, if you guys would start asking some really intelligent questions, you would get some really intelligent answers. If you realized what you had, in your possession. And think about that for a moment. If you realize what you had in your possession. So until people are asking the right questions, the Arantia book is meaningless. You know, and I think that was the point was that we started asking the right questions. Who is God? What is God? What is God's relationship to us as a person, as a whole, as a cosmos? Where did we come from? How did we get here? Who planned this? Those are intelligent questions. And actually, they're questions that everybody 
has asked, but the answers are sometimes hard to find. What are angels? What do they do? Why are there angels? What's the difference between an angel and a, and a devil? You know, how do, how do we survive death? How is resurrection? What happens? What happens to my soul? Where does it go? What does that mean, a spirit of God? What does that mean? What, what's the spirit of truth? What's the Holy Spirit? Those are questions that you ask when you start to think about the totality of deity. And this kind of brings in the next section here, because I want to play this. Again, I think it's 1969. Let me see if I can quickly check, because I wrote it down in my notes, and, and it's in my UB audio vault. Let me see here. Bill Sadler. So these are 1959, uh, during the Oklahoma, because I believe Oklahoma was one of the first places, and I don't know my history, so forgive me, where there was a, a, a great group of, of, of book, uh, Urantia book readers, and they would regularly have people come in that were traveling through and give uh, lectures or give speeches at the study groups. And this one's from 1959, I think October. And this is Bill Sadler Jr. Bill, by the way, the son of William Sadler, one of the original four of the Contact Commission. So Bill has a very rich and long history. I should also mention that Bill spent some time in the military. So he uses a lot of military metaphors, which are actually, I think, find to be quite enjoyable. But in this particular uh, a part of his study group, he talks about the totality of deity and the relationship of the infinity and the trinity. Now, those are advanced concepts in the Arantia book, but I think you'll get a general idea of what he's, what he's trying to explain about our relationship with deity. So here's Bill Sadler from 1959. How does the Trinity personify on a finite level? We want to meet Mr. Trinity. There is no Mr. Trinity. The Trinity is a corporation. You don't meet a corporation. It's a legal person, but not a person person. We'll be shown the seventh master spirit. This is the nearest thing we can, this is the infinite spirits concept of what the Father, Son, and Spirit would, would be like if they were alike. That's fine. But someday, if we can find the Supreme Being, then they can say to us, this is the Paradise Trinity. As the Paradise Trinity is comprehensible to finite creatures. But we'll have to reach the ceiling of the first floor to do that because that's the age of light and life, the ceiling of the first form. The Supreme Being will mean to us then, in our effort to understand total deity, that's what we're studying here, the function of total deity, just what the personality of Jesus means to us right here and now in our effort to comprehend personal deity. I don't understand the Universal Father. I don't understand the divinity of Jesus. But I jolly well do understand the humanity of Jesus. I understand the Son of Man. I'm intrigued with the Son of God. But they're the same person. And that helps me live with my failure to understand his divinity. I do understand one, 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 one pole of him. The other pole is still shrouded in some mystery. But I know it's the same person. I know I like him. I know I'm going to like his divinity. 
because I do like his humanity. The Supreme Being is going to do something else for us. He's going to help us break through into the second floor. Incidentally, there's where we'll start in equipping all that roughed out plumbing, you know? We have capacity to do this. The papers tell us this. The Supreme Being will help us break out of the finite level just as Jesus helps us break out of the material level. He's a living bridge. Like God, he's no respecter of persons. Only, he works with totals because he's a total deity. The Father deals with each of us as individuals. The Supreme Being will not deal with any of us until he can deal with all of us. The Father emphasizes the each relationship. The Supreme Being emphasizes the all relationship. You believe, the Father welcomes you into the family. Jesus' story of the prodigal son well illustrates the attitude of the universal Father where love is paramount. But this isn't enough for the Supreme Being. You've got to produce. He needs us. Therefore, he awards those of us who are productive. You can get ranked with the universal Father, but you can get campaign ribbons with battle stars only from the Supreme Being. And this means you have to be there and do something. It's our, it, it is our act. The act is ours. The consequence is God. Bill Sadler, what a great orator. And, and, and all of it just coming from his knowledge, his innate knowledge, not only of uh, the Urantia book, but also of, of the Bible. And there are all of those. By the way, I, uh, I would make note that there is a book, uh, if you ever want to look for it, I think it's the Concordix or the Paramony. And what it does is it takes the, uh, the Urantia book uh, and all the quotes that are in the Urantia book that are uh, taken from, from the Bible are cross-referenced. So you can, uh, if you're uh, someone who reads the Bible, uh, you can also cross-reference through the paramony uh, where they appear in the Urantia book. It's very, very uh, interesting. Um, and it kind of goes to what I was saying. Is the, is the Urantia book, to me, is a complement to scripture it enlarges the the concepts and i think that's why they refer to it so often is they're taking what was a sentence in scripture and elaborating on that truth but bill sadler some real great lines there too and it helped me at least listening to that sort of to get a better idea of that relationship to the trinity uh, as a total as opposed to a personal relationship you might have with the father through your spirit with him and I'll conclude with this great story because it is a good story. I picked it up from an online magazine, PJ Media, and the author is Lincoln Brown. And I've grown fond of Lincoln. And he is talking about this, uh, this obsession that people have today with the end of the world. The end of the world. Are these the end times? I saw a thought thread on the forum the other day talking about this upcoming eclipse that's that's uh, about to take place next year on August 8, 2024. And it's going to crisscross with the other one that occurred on August 21st in uh, 2017 at Knobs Hall, uh, Knobs, Bald Knobs Cross. I've talked about it a lot on this 
this podcast and older episodes. And for a while there, I was pr- pretty fascinated by the whole thing because they crisscross. But there was a great thought thread in the forum, and I have to give credit uh, to the person who wrote it. it. And it ties into this story that I'm about to tell you about whether or not these are the end times. Is Melchizedek coming? Is Jesus coming? Is there going to be a second coming? Are, are, are we culminating to that period, that apex, where something incredible is about to happen? And what do we do? How do we prepare? So Lincoln Brown writes in this article, it says, there were once three monks. One had been at the monastery for a long time and was well-versed in the ways of the order. The second was the abbot, who was the head of the monastery. The third was a novice, who had joined just a few months previous. They had been working in the vegetable garden that morning and were taking a break from their labors. The talk shifted over what each would do if they knew for certain that Jesus was coming back in the next 30 minutes. The veteran monk said, well, I would go to the chapel and pray. That way, when the Lord returned, he would find me a prayer and worthy to enter heaven. And everyone thought that was a good answer. Then the abbot said, I would go to the chapel and pray, but first I would go to confession. That way, when the Lord returned, he would find me at prayer and with a clean soul. And everyone thought that was an even better answer. Uh, Then the two looked at the novice and asked him, what would he do? And the novice said, well, I would go and clean the toilets, of course. And the other two laughed at him and said, are you out of your mind? Why would you do that? It isn't like the Lord will need to make a pit stop. Why would you swab out the urinal with our Lord on the way? And the novice replied, In half an hour, it will be 11 a.m. At 11 a.m. every day, I go and clean the toilets. This is the work I have been given to do. And when our Lord comes back, this is what I want him to find me doing, the work I have been given to do. Now, isn't that just a great story? I just love that story. you know, when I read it, I, I, it totally caught me off guard because I was, wasn't expecting it. But the, the truth in that statement, keep busy until your hour has come. That's the lesson. Don't focus on the end or the beginning. Just focus on your work and let everything else take care of itself. Just like David Dinger. You know, this is the work that this man, a Urantia book reader, has made beautiful music. And I'll leave you with Cry at Night, David Dinger. See you next time on the Arantia Radio Podcast.